0: You are tuning into Pro Bono Perspectives live from Brooklyn, where the city never sleeps and purpose is more than just a buzzword. Pro Bono Perspectives brings together leaders that have traveled across sectors, industries, and experiences on their path to creating change for the communities in which they live and work. And I'm your host, Danielle Holley, CEO of Common Impact, a national nonprofit that designs skills-based volunteer programs that amplify the impact of social change organizations by harnessing the talents and the skills of private sector employees. I am lucky enough to cross paths with these leaders every day through my work with Common Impact and can't wait to bring you behind the scenes to share their stories. We've known for years that diversity, equity, and inclusion, DEI for short, is good for society and good for business. McKinsey's most recent diversity wins report shared that companies with greater gender diversity were 25% more likely to experience above average profitability and those with greater ethnic and cultural diversity, that number went up to 36%. The report also shared, as we all know, that we have a lot of work to do in this area That diversity without inclusion doesn't truly achieve our goals around equity, that business leadership needs to be better held accountable, and that microaggressions, those subtle everyday ways that women and people of color are undermined or discredited in a work environment, uh, is one of our biggest challenges within DEI. DEI leaders and departments are among the fastest growing in companies, with businesses across industry and size really eager to make their commitment to racial and gender equity clear. And this, of course, has accelerated this past spring and summer following the consecutive, tragic, high-profile murdering of Black Americans So today, we get to speak to one of those leaders, Fidelity Investments' new head of global diversity and inclusion, Wendy John, and get a little behind-the-scenes view of what this world looks like and how to build and grow this work at a company. Wendy is a longtime Fidelity team member who is passionate about elevating diverse perspectives and fostering an inclusive workplace that creates relevant and differentiated experiences for Fidelity's customers. She joins us in the middle of Fidelity Impact Week happening this week, which is one of the largest skilled volunteer events, bringing together more than 80 nonprofit organizations and 400 employees. So she'll share a little bit more about that as well. And she'll talk to us about how she's translating Fidelity's commitment to building a diverse and inclusive workforce into action how she engages employee resource groups, ERGs, in the work, and what drives and renews her own personal commitment. Welcome to the show, Wendy. So great to have you here. Really appreciate you taking the time. Thank you for having me. I'm thrilled to be here. So I first want to congratulate you on your recent appointment as the Head of Global Diversity and Inclusion at Fidelity. I know you've been with Fidelity for more than 20 years and have held a lot of different positions and have worked with Fidelity Charitable as well. Tell us about your career journey, how you got to where you are today. Thank you for asking. You
1: know, I think when I look in the rearview mirror, it all looks very well plotted out. (laughs) But I have to admit that uh, it's really been a series of willingness to explore, continuing to pursue my intellectual curiosity, and in some cases, trusting others to see you know, some of my skill set that maybe I was not really as aware of and point me in the right direction of roles and opportunities that they thought would help me to grow. So I've been fortunate along my journey to have starting out in, in the actuarial profession to have really good mentors and coaches along the way. But candidly, I did get to a point where I was interested in in pursuing other aspects of the workplace and other roles. And so that was probably one of the hardest decisions I made, which was to leave um, the people that had known me best at the earliest stages of my career. I'd worked with them for about eight years before I transitioned into another role. And that role, I trusted some friends that I knew who were recruiters who saw a job description and thought, and they knew the hiring managers and felt it was the right next thing for me. I would probably not have pursued that role just off of the job description. So that's why sometimes it's really important to talk to others. Um, And I would say that's continued to play out for me ever since. You know, it can't hurt to try a role out and see if if you're good at it and you'll learn something new. And I almost always sort of thought about, well, what's the worst thing that could happen? You know you could always
0: go back to what you've done before and moving from actuary to the head of global diversity and inclusion just the core functions of those responsibilities so different and a lot of the guests of this show are cross-sector leaders or for-purpose leaders right and uh, one of the things that is so common is what you started with which is It seems really well plotted out, but it's really, you know, you follow your passion and your interests and you take chances. And that's all of what you've just described. would love to hear, you know, there's a lot of conversation right now, of course, in the past couple of months with the massive nationwide protests and the resurgence and the increased urgency of the racial justice movement that I think. The private sector is feeling in a different way right now. Curious from your perch how the DEI landscape has changed over the past couple of years and over the past couple of months.
1: Sure. I think maybe I'll start and tie it back to my earlier comments about my journey so even though I follow sort of this non-traditional path starting off as an actuary, I would say that there's a lot of social scientists and analytical perspective that I that I'm rooted in. Um, and also just an understanding of the business and understanding Fidelity as it itself, as a culture, since I've been here for over 23 years now, that really bring to bear on the job and the work that I do as the head of global diversity and inclusion at Fidelity. The The biggest change, though, is certainly that diversity and inclusion is a much more prevalent topic of conversation and both inside and outside the workplace, but Really, more importantly, for us in the workplace for decades, our companies and in particular companies that were perhaps a little bit more homogeneous in their workforce have been able to do very well for themselves, and uncomfortable conversations weren't something that you know everyone was rushing to do but I think what we've seen certainly in the in twenty twenty um, is that there has been a need for us to really open the door to these courageous conversations and talk about some of the, the challenges that we're all facing and for managers and leaders to certainly be more vulnerable and to listen more. So the demand for diversity and inclusion practitioners can, has certainly increased. I think that started um, over the past several years. You can see there's been a bit of an explosion. I think over 113% increase in executives. And this is from a McKinsey study where they've looked at this. And nearly 40% of Fortune 500 companies have onboarded DNI and executives recently.
0: And we know that companies know at a high level that they should be investing in DEI, but from where you sit, what's your take on why organizations should really, and companies should think of this as a necessity versus a nice to have? I know for a few things, right? We've heard it
1: certainly is the right thing to do and there absolutely is a business imperative around it. There is research that shows that diverse teams drive more innovation and and achieve better results. We know the data shows that there is a business case for increasing the diversity of our teams. But I do think that what's become sort of more for a front and center for us in recent months is this broader vulnerability for us in our communities where we start to see disparities through COVID-19 in terms of different communities are being impacted differently and we're all very focused on our customers. So as we look at the demographics of our customer base, which are changing pretty dramatically and and continuing to change, we really need to ensure that we are representing their perspectives when we're designing products and services and in, in our engagements with our customers. And so I think it's sort of the culmination of all of those things. And just even our own social awareness of of issues that's really making it uh, something that everyone wants to be a part of.
0: Well, one of the things that I've seen is that while there is a really strong business case, always has been, and that hasn't necessarily translated to the increase in executives that you just articulated in the past, I think there's also a recognition from companies that it's also just a social justice and an equity issue, and they need to be on the right side of history here, even if the numbers were telling them something differently. That to me is a pivot and a change that has been really meaningful, particularly given the force for good that the private sector can be. There's just been a real recognition of that this is about justice.
1: Yes, I I would agree. I think there's also this increased sense of empathy, right? And if you, you know, there's no distinction, right, between our personal and professional lives currently, um, while many of us are working from home. So many of us have been keeping those two separate (laughs) for a variety of reasons for a long, long time. And now that's harder and harder to do. And you're, you're right. I mean, there have been many organizations that have had diversity as a focus area, you know, even before the murder of George Floyd and others this past spring. We'd seen that. We've had DNI as a leadership function for over 13 years, but it's really the actions that matter. And we're laser focused on doing the work and making the behavioral changes that are required and being very intentional in the actions that we take to in order to drive the results that we want to accomplish.
0: So to get into the the how you do all of this work, October marks the 10th anniversary of Fidelity's Aspire ERG which is the ERG, Employee Resource Group, for those who haven't heard that term before, for Black and Latinx employees. Can you tell us about that work? Employee Resource Group and Business Resource Groups often work hand-in-hand with diversity, equity, inclusion officers and departments within companies to engage employees and would love to hear how that works at Fidelity, the impact it's had on the company. Absolutely.
1: I'm actually extremely proud of our Aspire ERG. I was involved with the young group of leaders a decade ago who really came up with the idea and the concept of forming the Aspire Employee Resource Group. And so it's just amazing to watch the growth of this ERG. So 2010, there were just shy of 50 of us uh, as members of the group. And now we're over 5,000 strong and continuing to grow. And it's very important to mention that our employee resource groups are open to all. So that 5,000 includes many allies that have joined Aspire to better educate themselves and learn more about our Black and Latinx employees. But also they may have, you know, members of their own families and others that are part of that group and community that they want to be representative of. One of the things that I think is especially critical about employee resource groups is that they create a safe space and community for affinity groups, right? So people that are in similar situations, for them to be able to be in community with each other. And we've also had the ability to establish regional chapters of our employee resource groups across all of our regions in the US and also internationally in India and Ireland. And so it's just great to know that our community continues to grow. Specifically, they actually help us. They're sort of a natural focus group for business partners. As they're trying to better understand the communities that we serve and the communities that we live in, and also just to be able to get a better perspective on our some of our customer needs. So it's a real opportunity for us to tap into um, our associate base for some of that critical work. The other thing is it gives our the actual associates uh, a way to practice or hone some of their leadership skills in ways that might not be readily available on the job. And then Aspire also is very proud of having a mentoring program for many years, which I think has also provided tremendous value to the associates.
0: I know so in my conversations with companies, so many companies struggle to get these ERG groups off the ground or running really effectively and smoothly. And clearly Fidelity has figured out how to do that. And having Common Impact and Fidelity have had a nearly 20 year relationship. And so I know firsthand that Fidelity employees are incredibly engaged employees and would love to, in a couple minutes, t- chat with you about Impact Week that is currently underway. But curious, what, what's the special sauce that makes this work at Fidelity? One ingredient
1: in the special sauce is these are volunteer organizations, right, that are by the associates, by the employees, for the employees. And so we do allow a fair bit of leeway in terms of the what, but we do model, you know, all of our ERGs. We have six ERGs and, and three, soon to be four, special interest groups, actually, at Fidelity. And so there, there are some synergies and some commonalities, things that we've learned from other employee resource groups, some of the best practices that we leverage. And so they do organize and focus their efforts around, you know, four pillars that are important to them. And that's helpful. Like I said, it's it's a way to give some of the members an opportunity to take on leadership roles, either in the specific region where they are or some on a national level, and really to allow them to to identify speakers that they want to engage with, community partners where they can make an impact, because it is a little different in each of our regions. But I think we just have been fortunate to create the environment that allows our employee resource groups to really thrive and we, we listen, we do a lot of listening to the employee resource groups around what they identify as
0: areas of opportunity and where they'd like to spend their time and grow. Well, let's talk about that opportunity and the culture that I think Fidelity creates around employee engagement. One of the programs that we partner on is Fidelity's Impact Week, where your employees participate in skilled volunteering projects to support dozens of community nonprofits in building capacity and scaling their impact model. It's a really deep investment in nonprofits. And this year, things look a lot different Based on COVID-19, so many of our partners and companies in general have had to pull back on their employee engagement work and their volunteerism work. You know, April is National Volunteer Month, and we were in the height of COVID in many cities during April, and it was a really uncertain future. And I just remember our conversations with Fidelity. The headline was, we're still going to do it. We're going to figure it out. We're still going to do it. And and you're doing it now, right now, um, of course, Impact Week has translated to a virtual environment and is now instead of being a single week in a bunch of different regions that you all have, it's taking place over 10 weeks from uh, August. It's we're kind of right in the heart of it to early 2021, and it's going to be one of the largest impact weeks yet which is just remarkable. It just really gives me pause during this year over 400 fidelity employees nationwide participating on 81 projects with nonprofits and would love to just hear you talk about the reason impact week and this level of employee engagement is so important and what kinds of projects these volunteers are working on, why, why you invest to the level that you do here. Sure. Well, first off, we're excited to once again to be
1: participating in Impact Week. I think this is our 17th year, so that's just fantastic. You know, we love this program because it's all about skill-based volunteering. We know that our people are some of our greatest assets and Impact Week helps us to put our employees' skills to work for good. When COVID hit, we did have to think about this some more, but given the unprecedented times, we want to continue our skill-based volunteerism with a special emphasis on nonprofits that are facing challenges because of COVID-19 and organizations committed to racial justice and equity. And as you mentioned, Impact Week 2020, in lieu of our regular large-scale one-day event, will take place in a virtual environment over the course of six weeks, which also allows us to have it occur across many regions. A broader range of employees from across the country will get the opportunity to use their skills in a completely different way than they would in their day-to-day job, and that allows for new ways of thinking and bringing some of the outside into fidelity. I can certainly tell you, for me, we're all very focused on our day-to-day jobs, but there's just something about raising our heads up and looking external and offering our help and our assistance in a different space. It actually is very rejuvenating for, for us as the individuals that are participating. I would probably say, lastly, that now more than ever, Black, Brown, and communities of color are feeling the disproportionate systematic effects of race and COVID-19. So this year we're just being very intentional with our support of those communities.
0: And that's something that we we just see it in every dimension of the work that we're doing with nonprofits, but nonprofits that are BIPOC led or are tackling racial justice issues are being overly taxed and overly impacted by the ill effects of these multi-layered crises that we're experiencing right now. And what is meaningful is that while it is certainly at a crisis moment, it's not new. Right? Right. These are issues that have always been there. And in some ways, COVID has laid those bare and have allowed the rest of the world who were protected from them from privilege or by privilege, I should say, are seeing them up close. And it's just as a lot of companies are coming out and providing narrative around supporting and investing in these issues, the challenge has been to follow that up with real tangible initiative. And that's what you're describing here. And it's just a good model for other companies to tune in and listen to. Well, thank you for saying
1: that. I think one of the things that I know from my time with uh, Charitable is just the need for continued investment in infrastructure support and uh, for nonprofits. And so we're especially proud of some of the projects that our employees are doing. Right. So in one instance, with the base, it's website assessment um, with 100 Black men in North Carolina. It's helping them with their event marketing strategy. Uh, Girls Inc. Metro Dallas, it's their employee handbook review. And in, in the Denver Scholarship Foundation, it's with their DE&I policy recommendations. So it's things that, to your point, that always need to be done. But now there's a real opportunity for us to really lean in and help in that particular aspect.
0: My next question is... A tough one, I imagine, because as you've been talking, it seems like you're really you're informing a lot of change. What's the most challenging part of your role right now? So that's a great question in
1: terms of the the most challenging part. I also think it's, uh, you know, challenges and opportunities often go very hand in hand. So right now, there's a tremendous amount of enthusiasm for diversity and inclusion in a large company like Fidelity it can be a challenge to ensure that all of our different business units and everyone are all aligned around what success looks like and the same performance measures. So I have started uh, really thinking of my role as the conductor in the symphony. And everyone has to play a part and their specific instrument. And it's really about building it into one cohesive symphony all operating
0: in harmony. I love that, that it could be a metaphor for so many dimensions of the hard pieces of our work, right? And I think you're so right that the pieces of our work that present themselves as challenges is where the real work needs to happen, right? And where growth and change happens. So well put. A flip side, what's the best part of your day? So I'm not sure. We we didn't get into this, but I grew up in the Caribbean.
1: And so the beauty of that is that you have some natural cues most mornings, the sun rising and other things that tell you that the day has started. So still, for me, the best part of my day are the early morning hours. I get up early, although I'm not a morning person. um, And I love that first hour or so where it feels like it's just me before everybody else is awake and I'm able to think about what I have ahead of me that day. And I, I don't know, I'm I'm a bit of an optimist. So usually in that hour, I think anything is possible <laughs> and I can get everything done. Even if that fades as the day goes along, it, it is really the best part of the day for me is, is, is before everything gets started when everything seems possible.
0: I love that. There's so much we didn't get to Wendy. (laughs) I know. (laughs) know. (laughs) End of our time together. But just really thank you for joining us and sharing just a peek into the work that you're doing and hope that we'll be able to continue our conversation, maybe have you back at some point um, to tell us the rest of the story. And thank you to you and to Fidelity for such an incredible investment in the community. It's just, you know, we at Common Impact have optics into the way a lot of companies operate and Fidelity from the very beginning has had a culture of really listening to and engaging employees. And you can tell by the way that folks show up to these projects. So thank you for being such a strong part of that. Thank you. The The pleasure has
1: been ours. And our associates all rave about their the opportunity that this provides for them to give back to their communities so thank you for providing such a great opportunity and a platform for us
0: thanks so much for listening to pro bono perspectives today if you like our show and want to learn more check out our website at CommonImpact.org. leave us a review and tell your friends and colleagues about us tune into our upcoming episodes to hear from everyday leaders using their skills to help their communities